Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. Wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you are listening to us on, thank you guys so much for the support, the kind messages, the questions, all the things that you've sent our way. Keep those coming. Thank you guys again. Really, really do uh, greatly appreciate that. And as I mentioned right before I started recording, that I, I really like that this topic, I think, is just a real good one for the off season, and, and it provides a lot of opportunities to kind of reflect as coaches on our own journey or if you're a new coach kind of think about some of the experiences that other coaches have been through and what we're going to talk about today is the concept of, of coaching through adversity and adverse adverse situations as coaches we all face them we all have to experience them and, and get through them and, and learn from them and make sure that we try our best to be as strong as we can in those situations and, and make sure that we, we, we face them head on and, and, and get the most we can out of them so that we can learn and grow from those situations. So that's what we're going to do today. Talk about the concept of coaching through adversity and really looking forward to, to a good reflective discussion and, and, and also a conversation about growth as well. And I'm really happy to be joined by assistant girls basketball coach out at Peoria Heights High School out in Illinois. Coach Derek Scott is joining us today. Coach, appreciate you coming on. How we doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, Coach. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really, really happy to have you on, Coach. Let's go ahead and get started with your journey. Uh, where is the game of basketball taking you? Where has your coaching journey taken you? I know you talked a little bit about it uh, before we started recording. And, and what were the steps that, that got you out to uh, Peoria Heights? Well, I've uh, coached for 13 years, uh, um, and I started my journey on the south side of Chicago, a very interesting situation at a small um, charter school on 54th and State, and it was kind of a, a wild ride my first year of teaching, and I got the opportunity to coach uh, basketball as well, and just went through some adversity there. We we didn't play in regulation gyms most of the time. Um I got to, got to coach against some really good players, including some current pros, and, and we usually got our butts kicked pretty pretty good. Um, from there, I moved back to my hometown of Peoria, Illinois, and I started working at a charter school that didn't have a basketball team, but I started an intramural program through that alternative school, and uh, from there, I got, a, I got a job at Peoria High. It's a storied program here in Illinois, and I got to work under... Coach Dan Ruffin, who's won a state title or two, um, um, here. So I got to experience how he did things and how he operated, which was good experience for me. And then I took a job as a middle school head coach for five years at Peoria Heights High School. And from there, I I moved up as the assistant boys coach. And now this year, I'm the assistant girls coach and hoping to take over the girls program eventually. Did you say in that so. first uh coaching spot that that you didn't really have a gym or like facilities to use 
Yeah, we didn't have our home gym. And uh, most of the schools on the south side of Chicago that are outside of Simeon and Whitney Young, the, the two really good programs, don't have their own home gyms. So mm. when we make a schedule, we we schedule a lot in rec gyms that are not regulation size and away fans are not allowed to go to the games. And it was, it was just a, quite an experience. Wow. That, that in and of itself is kind of its own like form of adversity, trying to navigate through all of that and not having a, you know, a gym that you can call your own. That that's, that, that's kind of interesting how, how, you know, I, I just feel like having a home gym is such a part of like a team's identity and, and, and kind of brings them together to not have that is, is, is its own unique situation to have to go through. Yeah, it was really challenging building that school culture. Um, you know, none of our students came to any of the games. Uh, we had a couple mm. parents here and there. But building that culture, we practiced at a church sometimes. We practiced at this old abandoned kind of building with a gym in it <laughs> that wasn't regulation. <laughs> so it was it was uh, it was definitely a challenge. Yeah. Wow. That's that's that's. Ooh, that is something to have to have to go through. But uh, I, I, I'm sure it makes you a little bit more more grateful each day to have like your own school and, and your own gym to call your own after having, you know, reflecting on that. You you don't take that for granted anymore, I'm sure. Yeah, the the good news is that was my first year of coaching, so I knew no better. And yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it was an awful year of coaching. I, and looking back, I could have done a lot of things differently. But uh, but yeah, it was definitely a experience I, I cherish looking back now. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So I wanted to ask you before we started with the topic, though though I'm sure this will be incorporated in in our conversations about um, being an assistant coach. And I wanted I wanted your answer to in in your experience, what makes an assistant coach an effective assistant coach, and then in what ways could an assistant coach maybe be an ineffective? How do you kind of define what what effective and ineffective assistant coach would be? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> the most important quality to me, I think, would be adaptability. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with four different head coaches throughout my career, and they had four very different philosophies and, and very different approaches to the process. So I think uh, the assistant coach needs to be ready to throw themselves in where they're needed the most. And, for example, in my very first job as an assistant, the head coach was a great motivator. He was the dean of students there. Um, with that said, X's and O's weren't a strong suit. So I had to kind of step in and help him with the X's and O's part of the game. And he did a fantastic job of organizing practices, holding kids accountable. Um, so I kind of stepped in with his approval and implemented an offense, press breaks, uh, out of bounds plays. So I kind of did that aspect for him. Um, we complimented each other well, but at the same time, then I, under my second job, under Coach Ruffin, who's a state champion at, at Peoria High, I saw that he had an established program. He was pretty set in his ways in terms of the rules of the team, the practice plans, the systems, etc. So I took on the role as a statistician, mentoring the students in class. Um, him and I were the only two coaches on staff that were in the classroom with the students. Um, and I also worked on the recruiting aspect of the students and and I saw that they weren't really doing much to get their kids recruited at the next level. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, adapting to what programs need, um, I think is is a vital part to any assistant coach. Mm. Yeah, and you your job is 
I think it being assistant is, is, is so interesting because your job is kind of this, this blend of, of needing to follow through with the, the vision and the, and the needs of, of the head coach, while at the same time, you, you still want to maintain your, your own level of like being your own person so that you, you have to bring your own unique, you know, aspects of yourself as a coach to, to that position. Otherwise, you know, why are you there if you're just going to parrot what the head coach is? So like, like that's such an interesting balance to have to make sure that you're following through and being adaptable, like you mentioned, to what the head coach wants, but then also you have to maintain your own sense of like being a unique coach who bring, brings their own things to the table as well. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, uh, I did have one bad experience and I think I did a, I did a poor job as an assistant okay. coach um, with the boys side last year. You know, I didn't feel like the, the coach was delegating enough to me. Um, I didn't feel like I was being utilized enough. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that falls on on myself to make sure I offer what I can. And if the coach didn't utilize me, um, you know, at least I could say I was doing my job. I offered what I can there and and try to feel good about it at the end of the day based off what I did. Mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah. And, and you know, that's that, that could be tough to try to try and like a advocate for yourself or try to try to have that conversation sometimes and and you know, you, you want to be supportive and, and you want to, you want to, like I said, you know, be, be the best help that you can, but also as an assistant coach, right. You, you want to be doing something <laughs> you want to, you want to be involved, you want to be active, you want to be like engaged in, in the process and feel like you're, you're contributing um, in a meaningful way to the success of the program. For sure. So let's talk about your uh, experience through adversity, so to speak, since our topic is coaching through, through adversity. Uh, when, when you think about that topic, what are, what are some of the situations? Let's start with there. What are some of the situations that you face that have kind of put you uh, through some adversity? Well, as I kind of just stated, you know, that one negative experience as an assistant coach, mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was being utilized. Um, showing up to practice, not being directed to do anything. Um, eventually came to the terms with the fact that the head coach wasn't going to use my strengths and I did what I could when I could. Um, but I, I went back to asking myself the same question over and over that I ask as when I was a head coach is, why do I coach? Um, and if you, if I answer that with, it's to help the kids have fun, learn a game, bond and form a team. Um, and once I asked myself that question, it was easy to kind of jump in and contribute to the student athletes in spite of the systems that were kind of put in place. Mm -hmm. um, at the same token, I had to make sure I kept my thoughts about the head coach private and not oust them to the players. So I don't think it benefits anyone to talk bad about a coach who's kind of put in hours for kids, regardless of if their methods are different than the approach you would take. So experience and adversity for me is, is kind of just, you know, getting back to the roots. Uh, why do I do this? Um, as far as from a team standpoint, we've, I've been on some really, really bad teams. Um, so focusing through adversity on, on a winning and losing aspect, I think we need to kind of go back to focusing on goals, focusing on why we do this, focusing on, uh, why we're here at the end of the day. So when you when you talked about like focusing on goals, what 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 do you think that that is? What has that kind of looked like in in previous programs you you've worked in, or or what are what are some goals of of your own that that you've worked to establish? 
Well, uh, when I took over the the middle school program um, at the Heights, it was uh, they had not won a regional since I think '02. Um, we had never made it past past regionals. They they didn't have a sectional title there, so I wasn't going to come in and say, "Hey, let's set our goal to win a state title." I kind of told the guys, "Hey, our goal is a, re a regional championship. We've been there before. Um, it's been a long time." And we were we were focused on that little aspect of winning a regional championship and not really focused on winning a state championship. I also had the students create individual goals, what they'd like to see, um, as far as what would they like to to contribute to the team. Mm -hmm. And for middle school kids, I had I had some crazy crazy uh, goals at first. One kid said he wants to score forty points a game, and another kid said he'd love to block 10 shots a game and so we had to kind of put it into perspective and and create some realistic goals for them based off what they did last season but once we put it into perspective for them um you know like i i created one goal for this this one kid who wasn't very good offensively and said i'd like to see you get eight deflections a game let's let's work on that and and work on in little individual goals like that with the kids along with team goals yeah, it's goal setting is is one of those things I, I really, really get and can get a lot of value out of it. But it's it's so interesting how if you pick a really like strong goal and one that all the players believe in just how effective it is. But there's also like that that pitfall of like picking a goal that maybe is just like just out of reach or, or a goal that like really isn't attainable. And then when it isn't achieved, I've also seen it like really sour programs as well like goal setting seems almost like one of those things that that is kind of like like simple to do or easy to implement but there's actually like a lot that has to go into it to make a goal like a really effective one yeah when i when i first did that with the middle school program i thought it was was going to go great they're going to set realistic goals <laughs> and then then when the kids started started with their goals i realized i had to kind of self-direct what i want wanted their goal to be and what i wanted the the team goal to be yeah for yeah sure. yeah for sure um when when you when you have these adverse situations that you go through whether it's you know you know conversations of coaches or, or program uh, related issues like how do you how do you personally as a coach kind of go through the process of trying to like calmly work through finding solutions rather than you know kind of letting like the adversity kind of wash over you and like overwhelm you so to speak um well I know as coaches, we all we all love winning and we all hate losing. But at the end of the day, you got to kind of be realistic within yourself. What was what was the talent level that I had versus the talent level we were up against? What could we have done better? Um, uh, you know, I love I love the old Bobby Knight quote is um, the will to win. Everybody has the will to win, but the will, will to prepare is what's hard. Or, you know, I don't know the quote. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. But preparing, like, what do we do in practice? What did we not execute in the game? And focus on the specifics instead of the the entire outcome. Um, I think that's kind of helped me put it into perspective. You know, if we get if we get beat by, uh, like this year, we got beat by the reigning state champions, and we got beat by twenty points. But I felt like we played a really good game. We shot the ball well. Um, the, the reason they beat us so bad is because we didn't play really good defense mm. and 
we kind of looked looked at the film and and looked at the stats with the girls and and said, you know, we just didn't have active hands. You guys kind of um, succumbed to um, just the awe of that team you were facing, and and you didn't have your usual active hands. You weren't deflecting balls, and they, they were they handled the ball well, but but if we really focus on the specifics of why we lost and what we didn't do as a what we didn't do as a team and not focused on how good the other team was i think that kind of helped put it into perspective yeah it's it's always tough i think that balance right of 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 you want to and i and i've faced this as 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 an issue before and i think in some ways i'm still kind of trying to navigate through that the the idea of wanting to get you know the players ready to play you know a tough team or a tough opponent and and get them you know mentally ready and mentally good to go but at the same time not try to have them think too much about that opponent and rather have them like think about what they need to do and what what they have to accomplish because sometimes if you kind of big big the game up a little bit or or try to get them really you know fired up about a certain opponent they could they can get out of their own game and try to do more or or or, or try to do maybe a little bit more than, than what they necessarily need to be and kind of don't play within themselves like they should. Mm-hmm, for sure. So that kind of transitions then into that question of, of how do you, in a general sense, work on keeping your players focused and ready to play basketball when these when there's these disadvantages when 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 there's struggles within the program when 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 maybe players are struggling or the program's just kind of a little bit wayward how do you and the and your coaching staff kind of work to try and keep everybody on track or kind of kind of set the train back on the rails so to speak um i think i found that out more this year than ever before in my mm-hmm. uh in my coaching career we had a lot of talent at at our program, and it's typically a losing program, our high school uh, girls program has been. We had a lot of talent, and we faced a lot of teams we should have beat this year, but we ended up at 500. And we could have we could have easily uh, won 10, 10 more games this year. And I think it's – if you ever played on a team or coached on a team that has a losing record, you start to understand what people refer to when they, when they talk about that winning culture. Um, Student-athletes get – in a negative mindset, you know, worrying about the opponent, how good they are, focusing on the results instead of the process, and uh, and most importantly, not being able to handle adversity when it hits. Mm. Um, so I kind of approach this by focusing on the process, remind the student athletes every chance I get that winners, what winners would be doing in, in each situation, down to the classroom and on the practice floor. You know, what do winners do? And I'm trying to build that winning culture. Um, some examples is we host off-season workouts, and I and if I don't see an integral part of our team at the workout, I would talk with the player and remind him or her that the state championship team that we're that we play during the season doesn't have players skipping out on these workouts. Yeah. They're all bought in, <laughs> you know. So, and if mm-hmm. I see one of my players sleeping in class or hear a complaint from another teacher, I would go to that player and ask them if they really want to play college basketball. Uh, or if they think they're helping themselves, um, you know, winning winning culture usually has nothing to do with the X's and O's on the court, but how athletes face adversity, I think. Oh, so, so you're going out there having those conversations with the teachers, though. That that's great. Yeah, for sure. Right I mean, to them. <laughs> I'm I'm a teacher myself, so you know, I know, and I know that negative mindset that 
you know, they're not if they're not doing what they need to do in class, they're probably not doing what they need to do in practice mm. at the end of the day. Yeah. And is that in going back to your your answers, is that been something that you faced either at, at your current position or previous positions where, where you're in programs that maybe traditionally don't have a lot of success. So the players themselves already kind of have low expectations or, or they don't really uh, have that confidence in them. Or, or have you found that your players, you know, even if the traditionally the program hasn't been successful, still feel pretty confident that, you know, the, the, the program can do well. Like what, what is that process of like just building confidence within the program been like? Yeah, I think I think players overall are are down um, with the the bad teams that we've been on. I mean, I saw and at uh, at Peoria High, I was on a you know state championship level team, so I could see the difference between the teams in bad programs or the individuals in bad programs versus the individuals in a team program. There's the biggest thing I think is that there's a lot less questioning when the program has success. When the program hasn't had success it's pretty easy for the players to question being on the team, question what the program's doing. Um, and we don't always get our best athletes out for the team and um, when, it's, when it's not successful. So that's kind of what's been hard at a, at a program that may be down a little bit. So yeah, that's kind of what I and, and And that's its own, like, adverse situation, I think, as a coach to, to – for – you to have to experience or or maybe coaches who might be you know listening who might be taking over kind of a struggling program is that 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 trust definitely isn't there there there's a lot of 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 doubt that maybe the players and the parents and the community have and you really do have to have to prove yourself because they're they're not going to necessarily be bought in or not going to necessarily think they're going to be successful and and they're going to really want to know, like, does this coach know what they're doing? Like, are they the one, so to speak, who's really going to be he or she that that is going to go and turn this program around and get it on the right, on on the right direction? That that trust is not inherently there to start with. For sure, yeah. So, when your players, let's just say, I, I know that I think you said you had like a 500 season this past year, if I if I remember correctly. And so yep. a 500 season brings its own like ups and downs. And, and, and throughout that season this past year, were there any, were there any lulls? Were there any like rough stretches that, that you had to kind of like you and your, your staff had to kind of persevere through? And if so, like, what, what was that like? Yeah, we, uh, we're very streaky. So, you know, we start the year off winning a, a tournament going three and one in that tournament. And then right after that, we had five losses in a row. So, um, and then I'd say the low, the low point was uh, our holiday tournament. We went into a holiday Christmas tournament expecting to go 3-1, and one, if not 4-0. and oh, And we came away with that tournament going 1-3. and three. Mm. So that was – we faced some teams that were not as good as us, um, but they went in with the expectation of winning. We were right around 500 the whole year. Um and the fact that we had never won in, in program history before this, you know, I think they got a little taste of reality that you're not just going to go in to a gym and beat a team that you're better than. So yeah. there was that lull there right at Christmas time, for sure.
And so uh, what was the, the reset process like for that? Was it just like that? It was good that DA got like a little break around Christmas or, or did something have to kind of change within in the program or any tweaks that were made to kind of keep, keep, it, keep it all from falling apart? Yeah, we had, uh, we had two grueling practices um, right after the Christmas tournament. So right before uh, New Year's Day. And uh, we had a game on, on the 2nd of January that we had to prepare for. And we had two grueling practices where we we talked to them, we we ran them, um, we kind of just reevaluated. Like, hey, we lost to teams that were not as good as us. We now now needed to start putting in the work. Not that they shouldn't have been doing that the whole time, but they kind of realized that they needed to to put in the work. And nobody complained, and and they kind of just hit two practices hard. And that was kind of our our reset with a lot more discussions with them in practice and and kind of getting getting on the same page as a team i'd say and that that's cool though that 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 buy-in was there because you know who, who knows what that that practice could have been like but it sounds like that 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 was something that they responded to really well especially if, if you said it was as hard of a practice as, as you just said it was yeah yeah the coach uh i give the head coach a lot of credit there he's he's built the program up and he's been with the girls since they were in grade school um running travel teams with them and and it's a small community so they all go over to his house with his daughter who was a senior this year and so he really could just get the buy-in just by talking with them and say hey what are we doing here so yeah. so he's really built a good culture um of of the student the student athletes knowing him and knowing how he operates to kind of to kind of get that buy-in yeah that's always nice to have somebody like that Mm -hmm. kind of it's almost like kind of kind of rally everyone together like that that's a pretty, that's a really interesting thing to have and kind of the kind of the advantage in in smaller communities to have you know people like that and and a and big community focus which 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 could which could go either way depending on uh the the relationships you establish with the community but it sounds like uh you all over there have a really good relationship with with those in the neighborhood and the community for sure yeah no that's awesome so what are let me let me start with this. What what are you and your programs? And you can talk about uh, the, the, this current program or or previous uh, programs you've been in. What was the process of implementing and maintaining um, high standards and high expectations? Yeah, uh, the, to me, this is the biggest hurdle um, is is trying to maintain high standards through the adverse conditions that you're you're put in. Um, so I say I agree wholeheartedly with holding kids accountable and maintaining high expectations throughout um, the program. But at the same time, sometimes you have to meet a kid halfway. So, for example, when I was coaching middle school basketball, there would be about three to five kids on our team that would struggle getting to weekend practices because of their home situations. We're at a, we're at a pretty uh, poor socioeconomic school right now um so if you missed practice in my program you didn't play in the first half of the next game and if it was our only practice between games you didn't play the whole next game so in order to get some of those students to practice we would have to set up rides for them or with other players or even go get the players ourselves so I wanted to maintain those high expectations at the same time I didn't want to take it out on kids that could not get to practice so we had to get them to practice <laughs> um I've, I've seen coaches who didn't understand the situations of some of the players at socioeconomic poor schools, and they eventually 
those kids would fall out of the program because it was hard for them to set up rides to practices or or even get there on on circumstances like weekend practices. So I think you still have to hold kids accountable. Um, my best player in middle school had a father who said to him after the game, get your stuff, we're leaving, before my team even made it back to the locker room. And the kid and his father left. So he missed out on our talk in the locker room. And I had to sit in the entire game, the next game, to let him know that the team was important. So it also let the father know that our team had standards and the kid wasn't above it. So I felt bad for that kid in that situation, but I think it taught him a valuable lesson that he wasn't above the team. And and dad didn't really like me much, but the the kid understood. So I think those, those accountability um, issues that bad programs have, I think need to be handled in, in a little different way, but they still need to be there. If you kind of it's, understand it's, what I'm saying it, there. Yeah, I, I, it's always... It's always great, right? To you, you have your your standards in place, and you talk about accountability, and, and you have those conversations at the beginning of the year. And then it's always always a little tough sometimes. You're like, oh, I really do got to follow through on this, though. <laughs> like I said yeah. it all, but somebody had to test me, right? Somebody had to see if I was actually going to do it. And I think that that's 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 something that all coaches I I, I know face and in. We all, I think it's the, the, the big moment of truth for your program is you say all these things, but like, what will you do when you actually have to make that decision and follow through on it? Like, will you do it or will you let it slide? And then it's like, once you let it slide, like that's, that's it. You're never really going to get it back. I don't think. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's really hard to, but at the same time, I kind of always, uh, if I am punishing a kid, like in that instance, for example, I'm I'm talking to the kid and I'm talking to the dad about how much they mean to the program and that this is what's going to happen, but it's not personal. And and I want you to be a part of the program. I want you to come every time, but these are the rules. I can't make it different for you. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think that, how did that conversation with the, the, with the dad go? He said, you said he wasn't that happy. Right. But did, did he end up kind of understanding? Um, And that, that dad was a tough dad. So oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> He, I don't think he was understanding at all, but, but at the same token, I had the buy-in from the, from the kid himself. Yeah, that's good. Oh, so, but yeah, that, that was a tough situation. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I'm glad the kid understood. So uh, that's yeah. what you want. That That's a lesson that'll probably stick with him. So that's yeah, good. for sure. Yeah. What, um, are the adverse situations that come with, coaching in a low you know socioeconomic area that maybe uh others listening might not like be aware of or, or, or might not have you know thought about that, that maybe you have, have personally experienced and gone through well um i'll kind of give some advice to coaches going through adversity here first and mm-hmm. and i would just tell the coaches going to an adverse situation to keep their high standards regardless of the program be willing to bend some standards on a case-by-case basis but with that said, it needs to be done equally throughout the team. And if something does not play out um, with an individual that is different, um, it needs to be addressed with the team. So I've uh, I've created a different standard for a couple kids in some really messed up situations. But at the same time, we kind of I asked that kid and we talked with the team about it. Said, "Hey, I'm going to create an exception for you here, but you're going to need to own up to the team." and 
you're going to need to, we're going to need to talk with the team about why this situation is slightly different for you. So, I mean, it's, it's building that culture in the, in the, the poor environments, building that culture, being consistent, having high expectations still and getting them through what they've usually done, which is, you know, people not, not holding them to high standards or people not putting in the effort for them. And that's, what's led to the bad programs constantly repeating the same mistakes. So, so yeah, I've, so I've allowed a kid to be late to practice because his mom and dad worked overtime. And if we had a late practice, he had no choice. Um, normal practices, he'd had to be on time just like everyone else. And because I made an exception, we brought it up with the team and that made sure the team was okay with it. Um, also through the challenge of losing teams, I'd say keeping the student athletes reaching for little goals here and here and there, and not just those overreaching goals, which are still important to have, but definitely give them something to feel good about throughout the process is what I'd say is, is fairly important. So you had, when, when you had to make certain exceptions for certain players, uh, am, I, am I getting that right? That you, you brought that up to like the whole, the whole program. So they, they, they knew what that, you know, kind of exception was. And that everyone yeah. was like, I'm bored of it. That, no, that's cool. I think that that's yeah, really for sure. transparent. Yeah, we kind of, we told them, you know, like, hey, when we have five to 7 p.m. practices, this student has trouble getting here. And how do you guys feel about that? Should we should we make him um, sit out in the first half of the next game because he was late? Or should should he be allowed to do this? And this is the issue and kind of just bring it up like that. And, so. and and that that must I think that also probably has to help a little bit with you know t- team chemistry if one if, if the players are all right with that that for that one player to know that like their teammates you know got got their back and are supportive and kind of understanding their situation that, that could really be helpful to bring a team together yeah for sure and and you mentioned transparency I think that is you know I didn't touch on that aspect but but that's huge for me in, in any program is transparency tell kids where you're coming from tell kids why why we're doing certain drills. And they, like you said, the kids are going to question um, a coach that hasn't been in a very successful program. So if you can be transparent and tell them why you're doing certain things, why we're doing this, um, I feel like that's fairly important. At the same token, you're not answering to anybody and you're the coach. And if they question you, then then we're gonna have some issues there, But but transparency is definitely key. Yeah, it's it's kind of the the difference between like questioning you for the sake of questioning versus like asking why because they legitimately want to know the purpose of something so they can understand it and and work to try and actually like get good at it once they know like what they're trying to get good at. Yeah, and even even introducing new drills, you know, I'll tell them they won't even ask, but I'll tell them this is why we're doing this. This is what it's going to benefit us, and I I almost feel like I have to in in the programs I've been in to explain why the why before they they see what we're doing <laughs> and i think that's just also like a good like coaching practice like you should as a coach right like reflect on why you're doing yeah. the things that you're doing so it is good to like have that conversation with 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 yourself and reflect on it for yourself and then and then that way it's like okay like i know why i'm doing this and now i can confidently explain to our players why i'm doing this and it kind of makes your coaching i think just more purposeful when you have that reflection and think about the why for sure, yeah. So, what advice 
would do you do you think you would give to a coach who's who's maybe going to be entering into a program that you know has had challenges and and had difficulties and is you know in 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 a situation where there's going to be adversity already in place what advice would you give to a, to a coach who might be stepping foot into a situation like that um i'd say first thing you need to kind of pre-plan everything you're going to do beforehand so what kind of culture do you want to build um for example this this past year i've i built the culture our mascot is the patriots and i built this culture of paths okay. is it's an acronym that stands for um, passion, accountability, teamwork, and shots. And um, basically, everything that we get we do breaks back to one of those four um, culture aspects of that of that acronym that I can go back to. If we're not running hard in practice, we can go back to passion. Do you have the passion to be here? If we're um, not moving the ball around, or or somebody's taking too many shots, or are you being the best te team player? Is it? Are we doing teamwork, right? Um, so, so really planning a culture that you're going to implement day in and day out, um, and go back to that often because you're going to need to these the players that in an adverse program um, don't have the the skills that we we'd like to see out of a player. They don't have the hard workers per se or um, the team players, they have a lot of selfishness. There's a lot of um, players that like to um, do things halfway. Mm -hmm. And you got to, you got to come in with that culture right away. So, yeah, it's, it, it, you, you really can't in a situation like that. I don't think you, you really have to really establish yourself like right away like you really gotta uh, almost like assert yourself not not really a in an arrogant way necessarily but you gotta you gotta go in there with a certain level of of confidence may, maybe more so than you would in, in in other situations because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of doubt right that we've talked about before there's a lot of doubt and a lot of questioning about who this person's going to be and i think you got to walk through that door just really knowing like who you are and what you're about and, and, and just being very confident in yourself and, and just, and just believe that you can be successful wherever it is that you go, even if it isn't a, a program that that's struggled in the past. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The confidence is key in those programs and, and knowing what you're going to do, having confidence in what you're going to do and, and don't, don't leave any, uh, a line for the kid to kind of question. Don't, don't have a practice that's not laid out perfectly. Like just kind of, kind of plan your practices and adjust as you need to. And and having that confidence would be is huge in a in programs like that. For so sure. What, what was what was your situation when you first kind of stepped step foot in uh, at, at Peoria Heights? What were you? What what was your kind of mentality? And and what what did you kind of do to kind of uh, I, I guess establish yourself for a lack of a better term. Yeah, I uh, well, the one aspect that they had not had before was they didn't have very organized practices. So I, I uh, pre-planned a month before the season and planned out my first five practices. This the first three were conditioning type practices. The next two were implementing some offense and defense um, with still conditioning, and I, it was very regimented. It was very um, organized. And I think the kids appreciated that right away. They 
they kind of made a comment to me that, oh, last year, our Saturday practices, we got to come in and eat donuts <laughs> at Saturday practice and kind of shoot around. And I don't know that they even had an established offense, really, the year before at the middle school before I was there. So so me being organized right away and establishing, hey, our practices, and I was kind of – and to be honest, reflecting back, I was probably too hard-nosed because <laughs> I had anywhere – anywhere from fifth graders to eighth graders on my two seventh and eighth grade teams. So, wow. so I have those fifth graders now that I had that I was kind of tough on They're uh, they're sophomores this year. And I kind of reflect back and, and talk to them. Like, what'd you guys think of practices back then? <laughs> and uh, I, I might have, may have been a little too tough on them, but, but I think changing that program right away and, and showing some organization was was key to kind of turning that program around, and then that, I, I just I was just curious. You say that they didn't really have any any sort of offense or anything that they ran. Oh no, it was. Uh, wow. I asked them, and they it was kind of free form offense. You know, they just they didn't have an established offense. They they had a press. They said they had a established defense, but I asked them what they did on offense, and no, none of them could tell me. They said they just kind of moved the ball around and. I didn't didn't see video, but but yeah, it was a it was a teacher who was getting into admin at the time who was coaching them, and I don't know that he spent a lot of time on the program. They didn't practice on Fridays. They had some Saturday practices with donuts, but it was uh it was something. <laughs> so, and and so in that in that sort of situation, you're you're kind of almost building in in the in the sense you and your staff kind of building from scratch because it wasn't really a. I guess from the way I think about it, it really wasn't like a true like basketball program. It almost it almost sounds like a like a club of some sort rather, more of like kind of like a loose, like informal club rather than like a true basketball program. Right. Like, yeah, you had to and you had to get your kids used to um everything. You know, you I mean they didn't know how to play good man to man defense. So we slowly implemented man to man defense in and the principles. Lachelle drill and all the other principles of man we had to kind of implement from ground zero and uh they weren't used to running things in fact that that first year the eighth graders were the worst because they had been in the program the longest so they were the worst about getting buy-in and getting them to run the the systems we had in place so i realized the seventh grade team was running our system um, 10 times better than our eighth grade team halfway through the season. And it's because those eighth graders were ingrained into not having a set style of what they needed to do or not having someone tell them how to play per se. So right. let's talk a little bit about then what were the, what were some of the adversities that you faced just implementing an offense with, with, with your guys? So, so just in the X's and O's part of implementing an offense, what, struggles did you see your players were going through was was it lack of, of of just basketball skill basketball knowledge like what what were the the trials you and the staff had to go through and when it came just to just to running and putting in an offense well you never want them to be robots out there but uh there's certain aspects of an offense and and we're I was really trying to tr trying to teach a transition offense um so that was my biggest struggle was getting them to do certain things within the transition offense um, that needed to be done. For example, mm -hmm. um, I wanted them to dribble 
lane lines. So from defense to offense, I wanted the them to get it to a ball handler and dribble lane lines. And they were so used to just dribbling wherever or dribbling to the outside. And I said, I don't need you to be in a certain spot at any time, but I need you to do certain things. Like you need yeah. to have, you need to dribble lane lines so we can create that angle to get it up the floor. And, uh, and just getting kids to run wide on the wing and transition and, and be there. And so you never wanted to run to an exact spot. And, and when I, the kids that would do it ran to the exact spot and didn't feel like they could go um, further down or further up the court. So it was kind of like, you know, I'm trying to get you to think and not just be robots and at the same time follow along with our system. And, and I'm, I, I just imagine that that could not have been a, a, a quick process that that must have taken <laughs> a lot of time to get to get to that to that point of even just seeing some success. I, I'll let you speak to it, but I, I, I cannot imagine that was quick. Well, um, let me put this into perspective. Our eighth grade team um, was pretty atrocious throughout the whole year. And we didn't run. I didn't feel like they ran the transition well throughout a game until senior night or eighth grade night <laughs> so oh, wow. until the end of the season. And it was, and it took a kid that only played 50 minutes for me throughout the whole season to get a start in eighth grade night. And he was a really smart eighth grader, just not, he didn't have a lot of talent. And he ran a, per, they ran a perfect transition on opening play and he got the layup in an and one. And those were his only points of the whole season. And I'm not even I'm not even lying or exaggerating here. I kind of had a tear in my eye because because he didn't get a lot of playing time. His mom was in the stands. He had an and one layup, and they ran that transition perfectly. So yeah. it was awesome. Wow, you're you're just like it. It it finally came together. It may have taken yeah. a little bit of time, right? It may have taken and, some time, but we got there. And took a kid that didn't play to kind of run in the right spot, you know, run, run down the block in that transition to, yeah. to make it happen. So, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. Um, defensive adversity. Uh, it seems like it was, was that, was that a little easier we were putting in the defense and, and refining that? Was there some more knowledge they had to work with or, or was that just as much of a struggle? Yeah. So uh, I took the program over and I was uh, coached the middle school for five years and I, I believe in man-to-man -man defense. I believe every team needs to have man-to-man -man defense. But I also am a, a proponent of if you're a really bad team, you're not going to compete with man-to-man -man defense. So my goal was to implement a 1-3-1 defense with man-to-man -man principles um, and also go into man when we could. And I think that first year we were at about an 80-20 split where I was 80% in 1-3-1, 20% and man to man. And every single year I got to be a little bit better. And by year five, um, of course, COVID was half a year. And in that last year, year five, I'd say we were probably 40% um, one through one and 60% man throughout the game. Hmm. And we finally had those man to man principles down where I could feel like I could go to man more often. And other than that, though, we couldn't. If we were in man that often in that first year, we would have we wouldn't have won a game. So, so I tried to implement man to man. Eventually, I think I would I'd like to be at about twenty percent zone and and eighty percent man. But I didn't feel like we could run it um, 
run it and compete basically what 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 do you think were some of the the, the adversity that that your players faced with 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 man what concepts do you did you find in particular that they 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 really were struggling to get down oh man at first it was it was help side obviously they they had played a lot of street ball we have we have kids that play a lot of street basketball but not a lot of organized basketball um mm -hmm. there's a bunch of small schools in our area like rural schools that play together from the time they're in kindergarten to the time they're in high school and that those are the teams we're facing okay um in the city here we have kids that don't play together so they don't play together up until fifth and sixth grade basketball and even then we have so many transient students transferring in transferring out that we just don't have the program that's going to going to play together from the time they're little so so I have a lot of kids with not a lot of basketball knowledge that come to us, but with a lot of talent, we have probably more talent than the teams we face as well. So there's a, it's a win lose for sure. Um, but I would say just teaching the principles of help side, like pounding in shell every practice. Um, you're you're responsible for more than just the ball, <laughs> you know, like yeah, when yeah, your guy yeah. has the ball. So it's it's almost taking it back to a you know, like my son's in fourth grade right now and on his travel team, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching my son, the same thing I'd coach my middle school boys when I was there. So, so just those basic principles of man. And as, as you mentioned, kind of that, that unique situation that you face of not only are you trying to te teach, you know, defense and defensive principles and help side and all the things that you mentioned, but you're also doing it with players who did not grow up necessarily playing with each other and don't really maybe even know each other that well. And you're kind of like fusing, teaching this, these concepts and teaching defense and all of this with also needing to kind of bring your players together in a sense that they're going to trust each other and, and can work together as one because there's not really that familiarity there to begin with. Yeah, for sure. Huh. And and Go we ahead. have we have the talent to like I ran some full court man by year by year two or three. We ran some full court man, which is even more of a teaching aspect when when they get by somebody or when you have to recover. Um, so teaching that. But luckily, I have we do have, you know, two or three kids here or there that that have really sound principles that parents have played them on on enough teams to to know basketball so I can rely on a, a couple guys here and there to, to kind of know what's going on while teaching yeah. the others. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. For you know, no, that, that, that makes sense. Um, let me, let me ask, as we start to wrap up here, what, what did you and your staff do in terms of kind of bringing your players together so that they do trust each other in a, in a cultural sense? Like, are there, were there any things teamwork or bonding wise that were done to kind of, to kind of, speed up so to speak that process so that there was that trust and camaraderie with with one another yeah i uh i think the best thing i did especially at that program in the middle school is i brought him in for a saturday um team bonding day and i i still have some videos of of that day and it was really great i think that was a uh, really great for the program so for example we had the pool noodles you know pool noodles we got them out of the pe closet and we had a gauntlet where there was half the junior high kids on in one side, half on the other side with pool noodles. And we wanted to see who could, if anybody could dribble through 
the the line without losing the ball and they'd whip each other with the pool noodles and that was one of our team building activities and and then we had uh some canoe races where they were intertwined like they're on their their butts uh with one person holding the person behind him's legs and they all had to like work in lines and race each other for you know to see who could make it across the gym and i just had different team building exercises throughout that day and they had a blast with it and it really kind of brought them together i think that and 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 that was something you said that you saved he saved Um, yeah i have some i have a i have clips of videos you know from that from that day that that kind of i was looking back on i was like oh yeah that was awesome (laughs) that's awesome that's really cool as you start to think about uh you know the 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 future and and, and of the program and 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 your future uh, as a coach. What are, are are there situations still that you know you are um, you know anticipating might be some adverse situations that you're coming? Are there things that you're kind of thinking of as you're going ahead, or or do you feel like you kind of ha- have a good grasp of where everything's kind of going in the future for the program? Well. Uh... On the girls' side right now, we we have high expectations for next school year. We only lost uh, one senior, and she had been out of basketball for two years. So, I mean, but she was still valuable to our team. But we have a uh, a former D1 football player that is our best athlete ever at the Heights. His daughter is coming up as a freshman, and she's been doing really, really well on the travel circuit. Um, so we have two freshmen that are going to come in that, are probably going to have big minutes for for us. And we have some high expectations for our girls' program next year. But the one thing as far as adversity that I can see happening is that we want them to – we want practices to be harder. We want them to be more focused. We want them to cut out a lot of the uh, fun stuff from from practice the year before and – and I, I talked about my head coach a lot. I love working with him, but and he's established really great relationships with the girls, but he has created a pretty loose environment at practices too, where I don't feel like we're working hard enough or we're we're practicing hard enough. So when we turn the program towards a more serious um note and and creating harder practices, I can already tell of two or three girls that I'm going to have to continually talk up, continually be on because they're not going to like the fact that it's harder. <laughs> so that's the, that's the adversity I could see going forward here. Uh, so, so it's practices are going to look a little bit different. This is, uh, is, is what I'm getting, huh? Gonna be, yeah, for sure. It'll be, be a bit of a change and, and be a, well, maybe a wake up call for some of your players. Yeah, it, it'll definitely be a wake up call. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of standing around time, a lot of talking time that, that we're going to cut out for sure. Uh, in- interesting. I, I, it's going to benefit the program for sure, but yeah, like, yeah, that'll be a bit of a bump to go through, but it'll, it'll all pay off in the end. That That's awesome. Um, yep. To wrap up coach, there's a couple questions I ask every guest. So I'll go ahead and start uh, with this first one here, which is um, thinking back on, on your coaching career. What is a moment from your coaching career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Oh man, it's a, it's a story. And if you have a minute, I'd like to tell I'm re- it. I'm, I'm ready. All right. It was, uh, so it was December 14th, 2009. I was, uh, we had just lost to Anthony Davis's team up in the South side of Chicago. So 
I don't know if you know this or not, but Anthony Davis uh, was only about six foot one as a freshman sophomore. And he was a point guard on a really bad South side team. So he didn't play at a Simeon or a really great Chicago team. He played on a pretty bad team and we, we barely lost to him. And Anthony Davis, he scored 14 points. And I mean, he was good, but he wasn't super good. Um, but I don't remember much about the game. But I do remember after the game, um, we had three coaches on staff and there was two coaches. They both happened to be from the south side of Chicago and myself, who I'm from a small town in central Illinois. And then the bus driver and 16 student athletes. Well, those other two coaches drove to the game and I was the only one left on the bus with the bus driver. As we were pulling away from that south side school, it was Perspectives Calumet. Uh, a mob of kids started throwing rocks at us, throwing up gang signs, kind of cussing as we pulled away. And I had my student athletes were hanging out the window, yelling back. I was trying to calm them down. And all of a sudden we had a kid open up the back of the bus and jump out. Well, I immediately ran to the back of the bus and kind of arm barred the rest of my students in that were going to come jump out with him. Uh, the bus driver immediately shut the door. And I was yelling at my student to come back. It was, we were in a, a pretty dangerous situation at that point. And long story short, it was yelling back and forth. One kid kind of escaped under my legs and I grabbed him and kept him near the bus. And long story short, um, we had to kick that kid off of the team that jumped off the bus for putting us all in a pretty dangerous situation. We suspended the kid that I, that got under my legs, but I grabbed his jacket. We suspended him for three games. And, and when we got back to the school, we found out that the reason they are mad is because one of our kids had stolen a jacket from the locker room. And so we had to kick that kid off the team as well. And, and I just bring this up because uh, prepare for anything as a coach uh, on the South side of Chicago is very, it's a very different um, culture than what I was used to. Um, but the very next year after I left that program, the head coach that followed me got arrested for fighting a kid after a game. So it was, it's just a whole different world and, and just prepare for anything. And, and in that situation from the year, from that time on, we had every coach had to ride the bus. We had a security guard that went with us and you just never know. So prepare for anything. <laughs> Oh, wow. That is certainly a unique situation. And for years of doing this show, I, I've, I've not heard a story quite like that before. And yeah. uh, that is adversity in, in its own, in its own very unique way. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was challenging. You know, you, do, you deal with so many other aspects than, than basketball when you're in certain situations and, and you just wish that those kids could have a normal um, high school career like, like we went through as, as kids, you know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is, uh, that is quite the story coach. I appreciate you sharing it. That is, whew. uh, to, yeah. to, to wrap up coach, I give every guest what I call a, a 60 second soapbox, kind of a platform of, of a final message, so to speak for you to kind of share with the listeners, a closing thought, just something that you kind of want to get out there and leave the listeners with. And 
uh, you, you can kind of take it in any direction you want and, and I'm not going to time you either. So uh, go ahead, coach, go ahead and, and kind of take it from here and I'll, I'll, I'll let you have your soapbox here. Well, this is, this is for me along with other coaches, but I always have to keep telling myself this, that um, enjoy the process when you're, when you're in a season, when you're going through the process, um, you're so wrapped up into preparing your team to getting them ready for the next game that I know personally, I don't, I don't ever sit back and enjoy the process. I've, I've learned over the years to actually celebrate wins. <laughs> um, when I first started coaching, um, I didn't, I didn't celebrate enough when we did win. I didn't make it a big enough deal to the students and I just got to tell myself and remember that we're creating experiences for the students. It's okay to have fun sometimes. It's okay to um, to enjoy the victory. And and I don't always take the time to do that. I'm so invested in that Bobby Knight uh, principle of preparing, getting them to prepare, practicing, doing what we should be doing, that I don't take enough time to enjoy it, to to uh, have fun throughout the process, I think. Um, what I have done a good job of is uh, I had a PE teacher that wrote a stat book for all our different PE games growing up, and it kind of stuck with my friends and I. So every year I create a stat book for the students to take with them at the end of the year. And I'll have to, I'll have to send you pictures of, mm -hmm. of this on, on Twitter. But I've had students from five, six years ago at one's playing uh, pros in Europe right now from, from Peoria that said, Hey coach, do you have those stat books anymore? I lost mine. Can I have it? And, and I think it sits with the kids and that's something I feel like I can give with them to kind of remember, remember the season by, but you know, we do this for the kids. We do this to create good experiences for them. It's not necessarily about wins and losses. And I just got to realize that and realize that I'm in it to create memories for them and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, and and I and I like I really like what you said about you know let let yourself kind of enjoy you know the 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 wins so to speak and let yourself kind of enjoy the 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 victories because I I'm in the same boat where I'm in that so like next game or next play mindset that I I really don't step back as much as I should and really enjoy like everything that that we've accomplished so far so I think I needed to hear that coach so I appreciate that thank you <laughs> no no problem yeah I I need to hear it all. <laughs> Uh, Coach, appreciate appreciate you coming on and, and joining us, talking about a, a lot of situations regarding adversity and getting through it. It, it sounds like you've been through quite a few uh, interesting situations and in a lot of different programs, but uh, I'm re really excited for you to kind of continue on with your journey and keep doing the great things you're doing out there in Peoria. So appreciate it, Coach. Thanks for coming on and, and, and best of luck next year and going forward. Hey, love the podcast and thanks for having me. I'll continue to listen. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast, and we will see you guys. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.